It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarSports.media. And welcome to the show, everybody. We got a great one for you here today on this Wednesday, August 19th. A um, little bit of a grab bag show here, a lot of assorted UFC news. Uh, maybe some Minnesota Twins talkers towards the end of the show if we have time, which. Uh, I, I think we will. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, almost, that almost no-no by uh, Kenta Maeda, and then the almost uh, almost blowing of that lead. Uh, luckily, the Twins eventually came back. I think they won it in the 12th inning, I believe, if not the 11th. So, uh, a lot to talk about here. Um, surprisingly, a lot of UFC news to talk about. I know we teased it on yesterday's show, so not exactly uh, super topical. But uh, we'll be talking about John Jones vacating the UFC light heavyweight uh, title. Uh, we'll also talk about what's next for Stipe and uh, his his rightful challenger, Francis Ngannou. And then let's see what we have pulled up here. There's just so much to talk about. Oh, of course, John Jones' vacant light heavyweight belt is going to be fought for by Dominic Reyes and Jan Blahovic. Uh, we have news with Anderson Silva fighting Uriah Hall. Uh, Brian Ortega and Chan Sung Jung uh, are now a headliner on October 17th. Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis are now a headliner uh, at some point in November. Uh, the UFC also booked Shogun Hua and Paul Craig, Paul the Bear Jew Craig. Um, so that's interesting after um, Shogun's last win over uh, Little Nog. And uh, obviously the split draw they had, I believe, I want to say back in September of 2019. Um, so they've they've both recently fought. Uh, the winner of that one, in my mind, really cements, excuse me, their spot on uh, in that number 15 slot in the light heavyweight rankings. So let me let me pull up the old rankings here because I feel like that's going to be relevant. Luckily, uh, the North Star Sports website is just pristine. I mean. There's no, it's not like the ESPN website, you know, I mean, you, you click the ESPN website, I mean, your computer, I mean, it's going to get a virus, it's going to, you can never find what you want to find, there's all these ads, there's very few ads on our website, everything is so easy to find, it's so simple, but yet so complex, so beautiful, the beauty in this website is is really, you know, what, what speaks to me, just the simplicity, the clean fonts. You know, we, we, we don't use, we don't use Virginia, okay? We don't, we don't use Verdana. We use Oswald because it's, it's a much cleaner, it's, it's for the finer things in life. It's for the finer people in life, okay? We're not like the plebes who, ugh, Times New Roman? I don't think anybody uses that anymore, but, you know, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't use these, these serif typefaces, we, we use sans serif because the, the year's 2020, people, okay? We, you know, we're, we're in the modern world. We're, I'm not typing this up on a little, on a little you know, handheld keyboard, okay? You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not the inventor of the, of the printing press, you know? This isn't, the, this isn't the 1600s. We don't have to make words look fancy, you know what I mean? We, just, we have to make words look legible and clean. So uh, that's enough time for me to stall to, to pull up the rankings here. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of a lot of UFC news here. Oh, and we'll also talk about uh, the Contender Series. I forgot about that. That was buried on my computer. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, that was a that was a fun night. I missed the last show where they gave out five contracts, one for each fighter. I missed that. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it, although it's largely irrelevant because it, it's not a talking point anymore. Uh, but I think I'll watch it just because if they're all in the UFC, I probably should watch their their first ever fight. Um, <coughs> excuse me, but that uh, that was exciting, and uh, I guess it shouldn't really come as a surprise that there's so much news here on this Wednesday. A lot of the news, of course, broke yesterday because Tuesday's matchmaking day at the UFC. Um, Dana will always make a, a subtle nod or not so subtle nod to the fact that uh, you know at, at post fight pressers. Listen, I don't, I don't fucking know where these, who these guys are gonna fight next. We gotta get back to Vegas, and you know, we'll figure that out on Tuesday. So, Tuesdays are a big day for the UFC. Let me tell you that much. Um, so, I guess because I, I recently teased it, I guess I'll talk uh, briefly here about the Contender Series. So, it was Week Three. Um, a couple of interesting storylines in this one, and um, it just kind of proves you never can really, um, you never really know what's gonna happen until you see a step up in competition. So, um, I guess we'll start. I guess we'll start from the bottom to the top. Um, so we started out with a unanimous decision victory for Kenny Cross um, over Kevin Seiler. Now, Kenny Cross didn't get a contract. Um, I thought that was a little unfair, to be honest. I probably would have given Kenny Cross um, a contract. I do think we'll see him either back um, on the Contender Series or just on a short notice UFC fight. Um, he, he looked good, but he gassed. He gassed really heavily. And Kevin Seiler's a really good fighter. So I, I was r- feeling pretty confident that Kevin Seiler would win this one. He was undefeated. He was 10-0. Um, let me pull it up. Of course, we saw him, I believe, last season on the Contender Series. So he's this Colombian kid. Yeah, we saw him last year, about a year ago. And he beat Lance Lawrence. Uh, and he beat him pretty bad. He beat him pretty bad. Uh, a lot of ground and pound from what I remember in that one. But he missed weight by seven fucking pounds. I remember he missed weight. I didn't realize he missed by seven pounds. That's not even trying. Like, <laughs> I thought he missed by like a pound or two, and they're like, oh, okay, well, obviously we're not going to sign you because you missed by a pound. No, it was seven pounds. It was seven pounds. And what the fuck? He's a lightweight? So, I mean, Jesus, you're damn near halfway to fucking welterweight. You know what I mean? That's like that's like Rumble missing by like eight pounds and weighing in for like a middleweight fight. What the fuck did he weigh at? Like like 194 pounds or something, so there's there's missing weight and there's missing weight, there's missing weight by a quarter of a pound, and then there's missing weight so bad that you almost make the weight class above you, and seven pounds uh, seven pounds is pretty bad, but I was gonna, I was favoring Kevin Seiler I think even the odds were favoring Kevin Seiler I forget where I saw him maybe Odd Shark William Hill whatever but Kenny Cross won now Kenny Cross had a fight scheduled for either the week before or two weeks ago I think because he was supposed to be a headliner whatever the whatever that means on this uh, on the contender series but uh, he had to cut weight so the reason why I say I'd still sign Kenny Cross and he's still a perfectly legitimate prospect as I fucking smash my phone on the floor Um, he's still a perfectly legitimate prospect but you know cutting weight, you know, Paul Felder talked about it on the broadcast, whatever play-by-play they had, I forget his name, I kind of like this play-by-play they use for the Contender Series, um, but cutting, cutting weight twice in, like, 14 days, ah, that's, 
really going to affect you because, you know, Paul Felder made a good point and I guess I never really, I mean, I guess I always knew this, but until somebody says it, you're like, oh yeah, that's the reason why that is. Um, you know, uh, like all athletes, you're trying to peak, you're trying to peak. So, you know, when, when you peak and there's no fight and then you have to re-peak, like, you know what I mean? You messed up your entire rhythm and that's difficult and, you know, cutting weight twice. I mean, cutting weight is such an archaic, stupid thing with the sport. And, you know, I don't fault Kenny Cross. I would have given him a contract, but fair enough. I, I think we'll see him again. And uh, honestly, I think we'll see Kevin Seiler again. I think he's still a, a pretty good prospect. Just, you know, didn't win this one. Uh, moving on here. Um, well, I guess on the main, I guess it's all the main card here. There's no prelims. Uh, Josh Parisian knocked out in the first round. Chad Johnson. Uh, he knocked him out in a bad way. There was probably like four or five punches where Johnson was out on the ground and uh, I don't know who the ref was, but it must have been Mario fucking Yamasaki because he, he said, let that motherfucker die. Um, good good for Josh. I was kind of excited about uh, Johnson, not as a not as a heavyweight, but as a light heavyweight because he weighed in at 215, which means, dude, if, if you just take a piss, you're going to be a light heavyweight. You know what I mean? You're, you're 10 pounds, well, 9 pounds in a non-championship fight above the light heavyweight. I mean, I think heavyweight should be a lot lighter because I think that that's going to help you. Um, I think being 265 doesn't help you at all to be a heavyweight, but 215 is a little too light for heavy. When I'm talking about light for a heavyweight, I mean like 230, 235, uh, you know, because you look at, like I always say, you look at the past, like, fucking seven heavyweight champions, they've all been around 240. Um, you know, it's not advantageous to be 265. And then if you are facing a guy who's 265 who comes in at the limit like Josh Parisian to be out... To, to face a guy who's 45 pounds heavier than you, I mean, uh, you know, that's probably not going to go good for you if, you're, if you get to any ground situation there. I mean, you better be a real fucking black belt. And even then, I mean, I know technique I know technique wins out in the long run, but, I mean, Jesus, when you get outweighed by 45 pounds, I mean, that's like a, it's like a fucking featherweight fighting a middleweight. So, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but good for Parisian. He got a contract. Um, I think that's interesting. I mean, this guy was uh, a pro boxer. Uh, I don't know how good he was. Uh, I guess I didn't look up his uh, box Rex page. Not that I could decipher anything from that. Um, but he's 31, which, you know, it's pretty young for a heavyweight, to be honest. So, you know, he's on a six-fight winning streak. Uh, this was a guy who fought on The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he, he beat Michelle Batista. Or no, excuse me, he lost to Michelle Batista. That's right. Okay, so that's, you know, I don't know. Michelle Batista, I, I don't know a whole lot about him other than he's a... He came from Cuba, and I know I know he's really talented, but he doesn't win a lot of fights in the UFC... Or in uh, MMA, excuse me. I think he's like 4-3. and three. Um, But Josh Parisian, now in the UFC. Uh, the fight I was most interested in was this welterweight fight with uh, Matt Dixon and Orion Kosky. Uh, Kosky knocks him out with 18 seconds left, round a pound from the crucifix. Um, fuck, Kosky's the real deal, man. Uh, I guess I'll call him Orion because we'll get to we'll get to his brother um, in a couple of fights. But I was really excited for Matt Dixon. I mean, I really thought like, so you look at the contender series. Without a doubt, you know, for a while the best way to get in the UFC was the Ultimate Fighter, and that was true for like nine, nine to 10 years. I mean, up until like 2014, 2015, um, that f uh, until they started doing those seasons in China and doing like women's featherweight, 
you know, then nobody really came from the Ultimate Fighter. Um, but the Contender Series is the fucking way to do it. So you look at a lot of the guys. I mean, they they always show the list on the screen. I guess I'm blanking on some of the big ones. Sorry if I miss any big ones. But, like, Dan Ige, Ryan Spann, Ian Heinish, you know, uh, Grant Dawson. Although I think Grant Dawson might have been on the that undefeated season um, for uh, for featherweights with, like, Joe... Is it Joe Trezano or Mike Trezano? Um, yeah, I think he might have been on that. But um, point point being, legitimate prospects come through here, and Matt Dixon was nine and zero. And you know, you go nine and zero, whatever. Like, I've seen plenty of pretty records in my day for for guys who are looking to come into the UFC. Pretty records don't mean shit. Uh, but you look into his record, so he's twenty four, five foot ten. So I mean, he's not the, that's pretty average height for welterweight, but. He, he, he was coming out of LFA, a very, I mean, that's a very legitimate feeder organization, but the thing that stood out to me, every single one of his opponents has a winning record. That is so, so fucking rare. That's so rare in the UFC. Like, you know what I mean? And there, listen, there's plenty of fighters who have come into the UFC who have had pretty records, but against bums and still done very well. Like, like Khabib, you know what I mean? You look at Khabib's record over in Russia, I think he was 16-0 and before he came over here. He did not, like half of his fights were against guys who had winning records. He fought a lot of guys who had losing records, but obviously he's one of the greatest of all time. So I'm not saying if you, if you fight bums before you get to the UFC that, that, that necessarily means you're not going to do well. I mean, most people fight bums when they're starting out because they're starting out, because they're not in the UFC. And, you know, bums aren't really in the UFC. So if you're outside of the UFC, you're probably going to face some. But this guy, I mean, like every single, when he was 2-0, and he was facing a guy who, who had a winning record. When he was 3-0, and 5-0, and like every step of the way he fought guys. And again, I'm not trying to make it seem like, you know, I know anything about these guys. They're like, oh, wow, that win over Tegan Dooley was a great win for Matt Dixon. But, you know, these are guys with winning records. So when I put 2-2 two and two together, okay, this is a guy who has all wins, a lot of stoppages in the first round, um, and a fair amount of decisions too. So I mean, really can kind of win any way he wants to. Um, he, he looks like he's chiseled out of marble, uh, and we've seen a lot of legitimate prospects come from the contender series. I, I'm fucking drooling over this guy. Like let's get, let's get this guy in the welterweight division right now, and then he gets knocked out by uh, Orion Koski. Um, so sucks to be Matt Dixon. I think this is a this is. We'll see him again. This is not the last time we see him. He was the heaviest favorite on the card. I think he was like a minus 300 or minus 350. Uh, but we'll see him again. He's only 24. Um, he seems like the prime the prime person because, you know, Contender Series likes to do this. They have a guy coming up. I forget his name. But they have a guy coming up. It might be this week or next week who uh, he's been on the Contender Series twice and lost both times. So, I mean, they'll kind of just put anybody in the Contender Series to fill slots. And this is not just a guy uh, to fill slots. This this is a legitimate prospect. So, you know, maybe he goes back to the LFA, wins a fight or two, comes back to the Contender Series, um, wins that, and gets into the into the UFC in 2021. You know, so it might it might only be a year setback. Or to be honest, he didn't look super bad. Yeah, he got finished, but I mean, dude, we've seen the UFC just fucking throw people on cards for no reason. Dude, look at Chris Dawkins and Parker Porter. Are you telling me these are the two best heavyweights we could possibly find? So, I mean, you never know with the UFC. I hope Matt Dixon gets in because I'd still like to see what he can do. 
And for Orion Koski, great storyline. I guess we'll get to why that's a great storyline in a second. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Cool nickname, Galaxy, makes sense. You got the Orion name there, but um, he's, he's only 26. And again, undefeated. Uh, his last six, six fights have all been finishes. All been finishes. Um, so I'm excited. And, you know, the beauty of this is they were talking about it on the broadcast. Um, ah, shit, who was that guy they mentioned? Oh, that's going to bug the hell out of me. doesn't matter. Uh, but they were talking about, oh, well, when you won the Contender Series in 2019, it took a lot of people, uh, you know, a, a calendar year to get into the UFC because, you know, we got to find the right matchup and stuff like this. You look at, I think they said through the two weeks they've already done it, they have five scheduled fights already. So I'm I'm very excited to see him uh, make a really quick turnaround because it doesn't seem like he took a lot of damage. And the UFC loves throwing people around on quick turnarounds. I mean, especially in times like this with uh, the Rona, they they love throwing people around. Uh, you know, look at look at Kevin Holland. Look at um, uh, fuck. <laughs> I, I guess I can only think of one. So that I guess my point's really strong. But I mean, you know what I mean. They like throwing people around. So I mean, chances are we'll see this guy. You know, in in a month or two. So. Um, that'll be interesting. Plus, he's from California, so I'm sure if they needed a short notice thing, it's not that far of a drive, you know, to uh, the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, moving here on, uh, I guess, the co-main event, but, I mean, not really, just the main card. Uh, Cheyenne Bays uh, wins a unanimous decision over Hillary Rose. Um, wasn't really that close, to be honest. Wasn't wasn't close. They were both 4-1, but uh, like, like Yanni the Greek said, uh, they they are two very very different four and ones. Um, Cheyenne Bays, I think you look at her record. Um, most of the people she fought had winning records, although you know not a lot of them. Um, and then something that kind of struck me struck me too. I never realized how prevalent this is in women's mixed martial arts, uh, particularly. But also, I mean, you see it in men's as well. Uh, Cheyenne Bays had eleven amateur fights. That seems a little excessive to me. That seems like a lot. She's been an, she was an amateur from August of 2013 all the way to June of 2017. Like that's a little. You don't get. Do you get paid for amateur? Is that a dumb question? It's amateur, see, right? You don't get paid. So I, I don't get it. Like you don't have enough experience after 11 fights. And she was well, seven and four, but I mean, there's not a whole lot of pretty records in women's mixed martial arts. Um, just because it's a kind of a newer thing, but damn, that's a lot of fights. That's a lot of fights for for an amateur. Um, so I guess she's ready to go. I mean, you look at four and one, and go, eh, not a lot of experience, but I mean, Jesus, she damn near has you know twenty fights. Um, and then Hillary Rose, uh, she her her record was uh, uh, not not so good. Fought a lot of a lot of people with losing records. The fight that got her into the contender series was against Kayana Rain, who was one in five. So, um, yeah, a little, little bit of a step up in competition for, uh, old Hillary Rose there. And she also had seven amateur fights, which, which is, um, is interesting. I don't know. She was an amateur for three years as well. So I don't really know what you were doing in that, in that three years, but, um, interesting stuff. Um, wasn't that great of a fight. Kind of interesting when Cheyenne Bays told her to stand the fuck up when she was on the ground. Um, I guess that's against the rules. I don't really know. It doesn't seem like it should be. Um, 
but yeah. Oh, there also rem- <laughs> that also reminds me with the Orion Koski fight. Uh, him him touching gloves with uh, Dixon with three seconds to go in the second round, and Uncle Dana was pretty heated about that. He was pretty fucking heated. I don't I don't really. I mean, I guess I understand why he was heated, but it wasn't really that big of a deal. Like, what what is he gonna do with those three seconds? You know, throw a fucking Hendo H bomb and kill him? I mean, I I don't know if he if he did that with like twenty seconds to go. Like, all right, you're looking for a way out, but all right. Note to self: never check the clock uh, in, in a fight in front of Dana White. Uh, and then the main event here didn't last too long. It was a seventy-two second knockout. Louis Koski, the brother of Orion Koski. Uh, knocks out Victor Reyna. Apparently, that's a good victory. Uh, you know, Reyna has fought um, some pretty stiff competition. He's, he's definitely older. Uh, I couldn't find an age for Louis Koska or Koski, um, but Victor Reyna's 34, um, so he's probably probably five or six years older than him. Uh, this was a guy who lost to Miguel Baeza on the Contender Series. Um, he also has losses to Kevin Holland and. Shoot, he, he fought somebody else. I I, I, I thought who was in the UFC. Oh, Daniel Rod- Rodriguez. He, uh, Daniel Rodriguez. So, I mean, this is a guy who's, who's fought pretty good competition, so good for Koski. Now we have uh, the two brothers in the UFC that couldn't stop fucking saying the two brothers, which only made me think of uh, Rick and Morty. All right, kitties, back on the broadcast here. Um, it's going to sound like I was just continuing where I was picking off, but... Uh, Stupid uh, cord got disconnected, so I did about uh, 40 more minutes of uh, UFC talkers, and um, yeah, I wasn't recording, so uh, <laughs> that was uh, frustrating, so uh, I went to the store, I got another uh, fresh cup of joe here, and I'm ready to redo the uh, blazing hot sports takes I had. You guys missed it, it was Marconi award-winning radio, I guess podcasting technically, but you know, it was award-winning stuff you guys missed, so I'm going to try to rehash it. So hopefully the second time around, when it's actually fucking recording, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get it down. So um, let's see. I, and all my tabs got closed, too. So um, I guess I'll just kind of spitball here, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, obviously the big talker from uh, yesterday and even into today is the uh, vacating of the light heavyweight title by John Jones. Um, big news. I mean, this was a guy who dominated largely that division. Well, I mean, he dominated in every facet of the, of the sense over the last 10 years. Obviously, there were some pockets of, uh, of DC in there. You know what I mean? Uh, DC wins the belt, the vacant belt. I want to say at UFC 187 versus uh, Rumble Johnson. Obviously, they were supposed to fight at UFC 200. That, uh, that kind of fell through a little bit. Um, there was a John Jones interim light heavyweight win over OSP. Um, oh boy. Oh, that was before UFC 200. That might've been UFC 198, uh, I want to say, or 190, no, 197, 197. Uh, then they fought at 214 at the Honda Center in July of 2017. And, uh, it was a win for John Jones, quickly overturned to a no contest. DC wins the belt back. He defends it against... Uh, Volkan Uzdemir at UFC 220. Um, let's see here. Amazingly, this is all off the top of my dome because my computer fucking crashed, if you believe that. So let's see. He would have won the heavyweight belt from Stipe. Stiopic, as uh, some people say. Um, 226. 
would have defended the heavyweight title at UFC 230 because that was an MSG card. Comes back at 241 and gets knocked out by Stipe. I don't know why I'm going through the history of uh, Daniel Cormier, by the way. It makes no sense. But um, either way, John Jones, this this is big. Now, I have the North Star Sports rankings pulled up here, and it, it's going to be interesting because John Jones is going to fight for the heavyweight title. There's no, oh, let's give him a test. Let's let's feed him Alistair Overeem. Makes no sense. This guy's the greatest champ the UFC's ever seen. You know, when DC won the belt up at heavyweight over Stipe, nobody said, oh, well, I'd like to see him get a win over Shamil Abdurakimov. Shamil Abdurakimov, because, uh, you know, we really got to see if DC can do it at heavyweight. Now, this guy has, like, 11 title defenses at light heavyweight. Um, now, he's going to have to wait, in my estimation. Uh, Francis Ngannou is going to be next. Uh, the boss man, Dana White, has made that very clear. So, we're probably looking at a July 2021, probably International Fight Week card would make a lot of sense if we can get a turnaround from Stipe. Again, injuries might hamper that. Or, I mean, it might be early 2021 if Francis wins, because if Francis, if Francis wins... Uh, it's probably because he uh, brutally knocked out Stipe in, you know, the first 70 seconds. And, uh, you know, probably could do a quick turnaround. So either way, it's a big a big money fight uh, for John Jones. I do think he'll be motivated, you know. Obviously had the iffy performance versus Dom Reyes. Iffy performance, uh, performance versus uh, Tiago Santos, uh, in which one judge had uh, one of the cards for Tiago. Um, he wasn't really motivated for those fights. Those fights didn't really motivate him. Uh, there's a big difference between John Jones and a motivated John Jones. A motivated John Jones in the rematch with Gustafson finished him in the third round. A motivated John Jones dominated DC the first time, finished him in the third the second time. So I think he's going to be ready to, to dominate. It's going to be a fresh new challenge for him. It's not the status quo. And I think whoever he fights, he's going to murder. I just, I don't, there's no way around it. I think Ngannou is probably the tougher matchup just because you literally cannot make one mistake against this guy. Um, but I think John Jones, if you can get him to the ground, it's probably over. Stipe is probably the, well, Stipe is the better fighter. Obviously he has the head to head win over, uh, uh, Francis Ngannou, but I, I really do think Ngannou is going to present the tougher challenge because John's never really fought somebody like that at light heavyweight. He's fought heavy punchers. Tiago Santos is a knockout artist. Make no mistake about it. Uh, he didn't really hit John, jo if you, John Jones. If you look back at the replay, it looked like he was hitting him in slow-mo. Not really. Um, and we'll never know. I mean, I think twice, at least once, we were supposed to get uh, John Jones versus Rumble. Never happened. Uh, I, guess, I suppose it's a possibility now that Rumble's back, although it looks like he's trying to go back at light heavy. Um, but, you know, we've never really seen him against a guy who can shut your lights out in one punch, Necess necessarily. Like, he's faced guys with power. Like, you know, DC has power. Rampage has power. But, like, a Francis Ngannou level power? Not really. So, uh, you know, that, that'll be interesting. Uh, just going off the top of my head here, because I've uh, totally forgot uh, the tabs. Uh, but we were going to talk about uh, a, uh, a heavyweight fight that uh, was uh, matriculating down the field as uh, Frank Stram? Frank Ham? Who the fuck said that? I don't know, the old Chiefs coach. Um, but Curtis Blades is going to take on uh, Derek Lewis. I believe it was on the November 28th card. Uh, and, and that's going to be a good one. Like I said, this, light heavy, or this heavyweight division, uh, the top five is just in concrete. It is solidified. There was a little bit of an earthquake. A little bit of a tremor, 
when DCU lost to Stipe, because now that opens it up a little bit, but it's still very solidified. Ngannou in the number one spot, technically DC in the number two spot, because I want to see him leave the USADA pool before I take him out. But in all practicality, um, Curtis Blades in the number two spot. So I like it because the winner of this fight, pretty much no matter what, um, is going to be two fights away from, from a title shot because we have to get through Stipe and Nganu, and then the winner of that versus John Jones. And then we can get uh, a Curtis Blades or a Derek Lewis. So smart to stay active. Staying inactive will never help you in the UFC. Is it unfair? Sometimes, yeah. Is it unfair here? I mean, not so much. But, you know, whether it's fair or whether it's not fair, if you're, if you're inactive... Dude, you're already fucked on so many levels. I mean, recency bias, goodwill with the UFC, things like this. So, yeah, should does Curtis Blades deserve a title shot in, in a typical heavyweight division? Yeah, of course. He has two head-to-head losses with Ngano, so he has to wait. And John Jones is the greatest champ we've ever seen. So, you know what? You're going to have to take a, a seat on the couch here for a little bit. But uh, he'll get his title shot. Now, it gets a little tricky for Curtis Blades if... Um, Nganu wins because Nganu's knocked him out viciously twice uh, and very quickly, very emphatically. So, I mean, I think most people would go, well, listen, wrestlers at heavyweight are a rare breed. Um, you know, they, they, they're going to win X amount of fights if you're a wrestler in the heavyweight division just because you're a wrestler, just because the wrestling is, is you know, just pure dog shit in the heavyweight division. Um... So, matchup-wise, you would go, well, Blades is just going to take Nganu down. But, in reality, what happens, sometimes MMA logic doesn't work. Logic would tell you Curtis Blades should have beaten Nganu twice. Didn't happen, because he clipped him. Not even clipped him, just killed, you know, just knocked him out. Um, so, no, I don't think anybody, even though Nganu and Blades are two great fighters, if Nganu becomes champ, does anybody want to see Curtis Blades in a trilogy fight with Nganu when the first two fights were first early first round knockouts? Not really, man. So if I'm Curtis Blades, I'm just fucking praying. I'm praying that Francis loses to uh, <laughs> to Stipe. Or if Francis wins, that John Jones beats him. Although I'd rather face Stipe than John Jones if, if I was uh, if I was, well, anybody but certainly Curtis Blades. And as for Derek Lewis, I mean, you know, a little easier because, uh, you know, he, he had that title lost to DC, but DC is no longer the champ. So y- you don't have a fighter with a win over you who, who is, is holding the belt looming over you. We've never seen him face Stipe. So I'd be very interested if, if Stipe got through these two uh, uh, challenges, which are going to be tough. Nganu, hey, let's run that back. I know the first one was a stinker. I think both of those guys didn't obviously didn't fight to the you know to their full capabilities. Let's run it back. Or, you know, if it's if it's John Jones, okay, then you know this is uh, the greatest champ of all time. Would have been a double champ if John Jones got to that point. Versus the guy who has the most knockouts in UFC heavyweight history. So, I mean, it's gonna be a fun. Well, I I'd hate to say round robin because it's not really a round robin, but you know it's gonna no matter who wins for the next couple of heavyweight title fights it's going to be pretty fun it's going to be pretty fun um moving on here i pulled up a couple of the tabs so i forgot um dominic reyes is scheduled to fight jan blahovich for the vacant light heavyweight uh belt uh this was announced like 
I think like 15 minutes after John Jones called the UFC. I think it was already supposed to be, I don't know if this came out or if it was just a little birdie, but it makes sense. But I think this fight was was in the makings, you know, over the last couple of days. And no matter what, it was going to be for an interim light heavyweight belt because John Jones obviously said he wanted to, you know, take it easy, take some time off, get paid, you know, money. Um, but obviously now with John Jones retiring, or retiring, moving up, um, it's it's for the for the vacant, undisputed light heavyweight belt. And this is going to be a great fight. I, I got to say, you could make the argument that Tiago Santos should be the one facing Dominic Reyes, but I like this. I like this. I think it's fair. Santos already has a main event with Teixeira. He is coming off of a catastrophic knee injury. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think Jan Blahovich has earned it. And it's going to be funny. I tweeted this out, and it's it's kind of interesting because we are very well. We very well could be living in a universe, in a world, where John Jones is alive. Not only is John Jones alive, but he's not in prison. John Jones is also active in the UFC. And yet Jan Blahovich might be the light heavyweight champion in a universe where John Jones is still actively fighting in the UFC. To me, that's fucking ridiculous. That's crazy. When I think, you know, like, I said this, I think, a couple of shows ago, but the light heavyweight division is the has always, always, even more so than heavyweights, always been the glamour division in the UFC. Pretty much from the inception. I mean, well, not the inception, because what is it? They only had, like, two weight classes, that, you know, Middleweight went to 200, and then I think heavyweight, heavyweight was anything over 200. Um, but ever since the modern classes, so I mean, I guess like 2001, I guess, um, always been the glamour division. I mean, Randy Couture, uh, Chuck Liddell. I mean, even the champs that weren't there for a long time, they were, they were, you know, they were hot shit. You know what I mean? Even when they weren't champs, the you know what they did after and what they did before, like a Rashad Evans, he's had classic fights in the UFC. Uh, Forrest Griffin, you know, a fan favorite. And obviously, John Jones, the greatest champ of all time, certainly the greatest light heavyweight champ. Daniel Cormier, this guy's an Olympian. And then Jan fucking Blahovich might be the champ. And and I'm not even shitting on him. I'm a huge fan. You know, uh, I'm rooting for Jan in this one because I, I, I love this guy. This guy's great. This was a guy who honestly probably should have been cut from the UFC back in 2017. What a career resurgence. So this guy comes into the UFC. Uh, he wins his debut versus Latifi. Now he's 18 and three. Now he loses two fights in a row to Jimmy Manawa and Corey Anderson. Rebounds with a win over Igor Pokrajevich. Pokrajak. Never fucking heard of him. Uh, and then two more losses to Gustafson and uh, Patrick Cummins. So early 2017, this guy's fizzling out of the UFC. Now. He comes back, and then he wins seven of his next eight fights, including a four-fight winning streak over Devin Clark, Jared Cannonier, which that one looks really good. Um, wins the rematch with Jimmy Manoa. Uh, submits Nikita Krilov. Now, he suffers a TKO loss um, in early 2019 to Tiago Santos, but he comes back, just sends Luke Rockhold to another dimension, wins a split decision over Jacare, and sends Corey Anderson to the Shadow Realm. So this is also a guy who's, you know, seven of his last eight, but two of his last three have been KOKOs. And I'm a big believer in the legendary Polish power. You know what I mean? I I was not a big believer uh, in it. Uh, What was that, 239? Uh, As of uh, July 5th, 
2019, I was not a believer in the legendary Polish power. And then he knocked out uh, Luke out cold. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a believer. And it makes no sense. This was a guy who up to that point probably had like 15 UFC fights and only had one TKO finish, never had a KO. So this was a guy who was, I wouldn't say he was known for not having power, but when you talk about Blahovich, you have to talk about a, a distinct lack of power. And then somehow he just finds power. Somehow he just finds power and just, not even just, not, not just TKO power, KO power. So I'm mesmerized by Jan Blahovich. This guy fascinates me. How at age 35 and 36 for those, those last couple of fights, this guy just developed KO power. I don't know if it's technique. I don't know if he's always had it. I don't know if he got stronger, but I'm fascinated. I like it. And uh, this guy's a baller too. This guy doesn't talk shit. Uh, he seems like a really nice guy. He seems like a genuine guy. Um, big fan of Poland. Shout out to Poland. You know what I mean? If we got any Polish listeners out there, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Jan Blachowicz. I'm a, I'm a fan of spe- a special, a special shout out to Joanna Janjacek, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and Karolina Kovalkiewicz as well. Special shout out to her if she's listening. But a shout out really to, to Poles worldwide. You know what I mean? If you're listening on the west side of Chicago, you know what I mean? Little Poland or, or whatever, um, whatever, whatever they call it off the highway. A special shout out to you. Poles are, are great people. We like Poles. I don't, I don't know if uh, we do well with the Polish demographic, but I'm certainly hoping we do. Um, but I like Jan Bohovich. A badass move. Underrated all-time badass move. Viciously knocking out Corey Anderson. And then pointing pointing into the crowd, into the crowd pointing out John Jones. Talking shit to him. And then just flexing. flexing those Polish sausages. Just flexing them. So that's, that's badass. That's, that's pretty baller. You knock somebody out and then point out. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, Jesus, he's got to fight for the title next. That's a, that's a baller move. Not that I necessarily have anything against Dom Reyes. I, I, I think he's a, a perfectly um, entertaining young guy as well. Um, but I don't know. Jan, Jan just kind of speaks to me. He speaks to my inner pole. I don't know if I have any Polish in me. But um, if I do, he, he speaks to it. He speaks to it. I'm sure I have, I don't know, I, I'm a bunch of different stuff. So I'm, I'm sure at some point there's like half a percentage of Polish in me. So, you know what I mean? That, that, that's really what he, he, he tingles. Um, we also have some uh, news here from Brett Akimoto. This breaking uh, near midnight last night, uh, Anderson Silva scheduled to fight Uriah Hall on October 31st. Uh, I had a lot to say about this on the... Um, uh, on, on the take that uh, didn't go through. Let me double check right now to make sure this is going through. Okay, solid. Because that, that, that really pissed me off. I had some good good stuff there. Uh, I really got nothing to say on this fight, to be honest. Uh, Anderson Silva should not be fighting. Uh, of course, I don't have the right to tell anybody to not uh, not fight. I don't give a shit. Fight until you're 55. But uh, in my opinion, probably should have retired. This is a good fight, though. Uh, I mean, Hall's going to keep it standing. Now, he's a dangerous guy, but you never know which Uriah Hall you're going to get. Are you going to get the one that upset uh, Gegard Musasi, or are you going to get the one that, you know, just kind of sucks? Um, so it's a good bounce back fight for Anderson Silva. Uh, hopefully if it's his last. Uh, there's some speculation uh, as to whether or not this is going to be his final fight. Um, a legend no matter what, but he's kind of on a, a pretty bad losing streak. Now he has a win over Derek Brunson, I believe back in 2017. Um, it's not quite as bad as BJ Penn's, but it is a legendary losing streak Anderson Silva is on, or if not a streak, kind of a, 
a fad, you know what I mean? Um, outside of the Brunson win, his last win came in 2012 over Stefan Bonner. It's been a long time, man. Now, he's lost to some really good fighters. Chris Weidman, Michael Bisping, uh, Daniel Cormier. Uh, did, he, did he lose to... No, he didn't fight Gastelum. Um, oh, Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya. Jared Cannonier. Uh, just off the top of my head. So, you know, these these are, are, are very high-level opponents, but, you know, unfortunately, Anderson doesn't have what it takes to, to win at the highest level. Now, I still think Anderson Silva could fight for the next, like, three years and still get a lot of wins, you know, 10 through 15. You know, he could beat—he probably could beat the Uriah Halls of the world. He probably could beat the Omari Akhmedovs of the world, but do you really want to do that? What are you—what <laughs> are you really fighting for at this point? So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Uh, big opportunity here for Uriah Hall, which I am sure he will uh, spoil because uh, he does not win fights that he is supposed to win. Uh, moving on here, uh, also from Brett Akimoto, uh yesterday, who is, uh, I mean, Ariel Hawani's still out there, but this guy's kind of more of a media personality these days. I think, for my money, Brett Akimoto, number one reporter in uh, MMA. He's really, he's really turning into the uh, Adam Schefter, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski type for this sport uh he's reporting that brian ortega will take on chan sung jung the korean zombie to headline ufc fight night on october 17th uh great fight it was supposed to take place in december of last year in korea which would have been special um surprisingly it's almost been two years since ortega last fought in the octagon he last fought uh max holloway at ufc 231 um I think that was the main event, the co-main. I think the co-main was Shevchenko and Ioana. Um, took a bad beating. So I think it's been like 29 months since he's gotten a win in the UFC. So a lot of questions here. Uh, you know, obviously he's a great ground guy, but, you know, Korean Zombie's pretty fucking durable. Uh, he's going to come forward. Uh, you know, and, and, and not only has, not only are, are, are we still trying to figure out well, has this long layoff is this long layoff really gonna hurt Ortega? He's also been really hurt in the long layoff, so he's also had injuries in this layoff. So, uh, a lot of questions with Brian Ortega. There was a lot of hype around this guy. A lot of people favored him to win Max Holloway, uh, win over Max Holloway. So I, I'm very interested to see how this one plays out. Um, I would favor the Korean Zombie in this one, the more active fighter. I think the better fighter overall, uh, certainly. Probably stand-up wise, I guess I'd give the ground game to Ortega. So take a sip of coffee here, um, but but it'll be a good one. And you know, like uh, Volko says, you know these guys in the top five gotta stay active. I mean, it's been a really inactive, probably top well, top six includes Calvin Cater, but top five. A lot of these guys are not staying active, so nobody's really standing out for a title shot. Now Zabit was supposed to fight. Uh, Yair, and that probably would would have been for the number one contender, although Zabit already is the number one contender, and uh, Yair is a, a little further down the list there. Um, but that fight's out, so I think the next fight to make probably is just Volko versus Zabit straight up, without Zabit having another fight, but, you know, it's entirely possible that if the winner of this fight between Ortega and the Korean Zombie, uh, if, if they can not sustain a hellacious beating... Maybe they could do a quick turnaround and, and fight Volkanovski. Uh, the timelines kind of kind of don't match up a whole lot because it's going to be, you know, about three months after uh, Alex's win at 251. Um, 
But either way, and you know, you, you also got to watch out for active guys like Calvin Cater. Calvin Cater, he's in the top five. So, you know, if you're in the top five, a title shot um, is a possibility at any moment. Uh, it, it, it might He might not be the number one guy on the list because he's the number five guy on the list, but it just takes one guy to get an injury, another guy to, to not take a short notice fight, and boom, you're the third option. But, uh, you know, you, you, you got the title shot just due to circumstances. The UFC is a very wild and unpredictable um, organization. Stuff happens. You know, this is combat. So uh, it's, it's possible that Cater, Ortega... Korean Zombie, certainly Zabit. I mean, any of these guys except for Holloway, hopefully, because we've seen him lose twice, don't need to see a trilogy when the first guy uh, won the first two. Um, but but any, any of those guys could get a title shot next. All right, moving on here. Uh, were there any more UFC talkers we had? Uh, I closed all my tabs when I thought uh, we were done the first time. Um... No, I think that's everything we were supposed to get to with uh, the UFC. Uh, big day, a big day on uh, on yesterday and Tuesdays because that's uh, UFC matchmaking day and, you know, a lot to talk about here. Oh, obviously the return of uh, Rumble Johnson. I don't think I'm going to get I'm gonna get into that one just because I mean, he doesn't really have an opponent yet and, you know, that we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I did want to talk briefly, did want to talk uh, briefly about the Minnesota Twins uh, Kenta Maeda uh, almost had a no-hitter. He went uh, up until the first batter in the ninth inning, I want to say, and then the Twins gave up three runs and uh, eventually came back uh, to win it, I believe, in the 12th inning. Um, so kind of a, a little bit of a slump here for the, the the Twins. Their record is not as good as I thought it would be, uh, but they're they're kind of back to their kind of back to their winning ways here. I guess they're they've won. Well, Jesus, I guess they've won five of their last six, but. You know, they really struggled in that first Royals series. Um, kind of running away with uh, AL Central here because you got to realize you don't have too many more games left to play. Obviously, you know, still more than half of a season to go. But, um, yeah, that was an interesting game. I, I uh, probably started tuning in around the eighth inning when I got the alert on my phone that Maeda was uh, approaching a no-hitter. And, uh, yeah, interesting interesting end of the game there let me let me say that the Brewers with with five infielders and uh Byron Buxton scoring the the winning run off of a uh Jorge Polanco uh base hit man that guy is fucking fast I, I mean there's only a couple of guys in in Major League Baseball who are even just you, you can't teach that speed there's only there's only a couple of guys like a Billy Hamilton uh, Polanco is pretty fast as well. Polanco is probably the fastest guy I've ever seen in person in the minors. Uh, he, he, he hit one right to the first baseman when I was down there when he was at Cedar Rapids. Hit it right to the first baseman in, uh, in the infield, and uh, he, he was safe. He ran to first that fast. So, uh, yeah, that, that guy's fast as shit. So, I mean, interesting game for the Twins. I'm sure a lot of uh, media personalities here in the, in the Twin Cities would, be, uh, would have some pretty hot sports takes if the twins had uh, lost that one uh, after um, after not not uh, getting the no hitter, shout out to Reagan Hooverman. He had a great headline uh, from uh, a, what was it from a potential no no to oh no. Uh, so I mean you know the Star Tribune's got to hire this guy, uh, hardest hardest working man in in Saint Croix Falls, Wisconsin. That's for certain. Still got to get him on the show. He still has to accept accept his um, Hall of Fame nomination. 
Uh, we're supposed to do a Packers preview show at some point, but, um, you know, this guy's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. He's hard to get. You know what I mean? This is this is no longer the WRFW Reagan Hooverman. This is, you know, this is the professional, Mr. Professional. So, you know what I mean? I gotta I probably got to talk to his secretary or something uh, to, to work out some scheduling with him. But uh, make no mistake, we will have him. We will have him on the show at one point. At one point, we'll get him. Even if I have to wrangle him down, if I have to lasso him, if I have to get on horseback and lasso him uh, in Western Wisconsin, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm gonna get this guy. I don't even care if it's if it's federal kidnapping charges. Uh, I will. I will get this guy. We'll get him on the show. Uh, he, he, you know, he, I know where he frequents. He, he frequents Torches Valley Bar and Grill in. Well, I want to say Eau Claire, Wisconsin, maybe Menominee. Um, but he, you know, I know I know where to find this guy. I know where to find this guy. Um, but that's pretty much it. After I, I make some threats on the air on on uh, Reagan Hooverman. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, kind of a low key day. I mean, obviously a lot of UFC talkers. Um, don't really know what we'll talk about tomorrow. We might do the preview show tomorrow. I know we typically do those on th- Thursdays. Uh, recently, but um. Yeah, we'll probably do the preview show tomorrow just because, you know, I don't know. Maybe if there's more uh, talkers, we'll probably we'll probably do an, an abbreviated show um, on some talkers. But uh, let me just double check here real, real quick. There we go. It's still recording. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was quite annoying. But uh, you know what I mean? If you're the greatest of all time, you got you to gotta power through stuff like this. You got to just, t- you know, get a second cup of coffee and you got to... You gotta just go through. You gotta go with the flow. You know what I mean? Uh, you gotta be. A, you gotta be a Taoist. You know what I mean? You, you gotta go with the flow. You don't want to go against the flow of a river. The river's telling you to go one way, so you can try. But the the river's just gonna keep putting you downstream. So you just gotta go with the river. Go with the way. So you could you could say my my radio philosophy is that of a Taoist. So you know what I mean? We we respect ancient East Asian uh, philosophy around here um, although that's actually probably the only Asian philosophy I'm I'm aware of um, outside of oh I guess outside of Buddhism but uh, thank you University of Wisconsin River Falls for making me take all of these uh, largely irrelevant classes uh, for my um... oh why is that why is that's bugging me uh, not prelims what the fuck um, Oh, generals! Why the fuck? That was that was weird. That was erased from my memory. I don't know why I couldn't think of that for my generals. Thank you, River Falls, for for making me take irrelevant classes. Although the philosophy class, uh, that was a fun class. That was that was a good class. I, I like that one. The history of Latin America. That was very very helpful. Um, outside of that, all those other classes really kind of sucked. Oh, controversy and politics. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. But uh, shout out to shout out to Doctor Simer, cool guy. Uh, but other than that, man, I've taken some really stupid elective, uh, electives, just because they say you got to, because it, it rounds you out. But I'm not going to, co- to to school to get rounded out. I'm going to school to get a journalism degree. I, I'm I'm not I'm not here to learn about rocks. You know what I mean? Taking fucking what the fuck that geography, or no 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 natural geography or whatever with rocks at Inver Hills for just no reason. Taking math classes for no reason, advanced statistics and stuff like this. Ah, got all that out in high school, but uh, nope. Uh, even though you even though you want to be a journalism major or an engineer or something, you still got to learn. 
still got to learn about other stuff. And you're still paying money for it as well. So, you know what I mean? You got to be well-rounded to be an engineer. You got to you gotta understand the finer parts of, uh, you know, the, the German language, even though you're never going to speak German in, in your life. Um, you know what I mean? So, you know, t- took German at, uh, at uh, Mizzou. Never needed it. Never needed it. T- uh, I've taken four years of German. Couldn't remember a goddamn sentence in German. But you know what I mean? I took four years of it. But uh, so, you know, they, they really rounded me out. I think, they, I think they really hollowed out my brain with uh, some of these some of these classes. But uh, with that, we'll wrap it up here. So once again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Uh, North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. The Mailman at Owen The Mailman. Uh, I suppose I'll plug The Fireman, even though that guy's kind of a dick because uh, he stole my belt from me. But uh, you can follow The Fireman, Drew Peterson, at... Um, well, I believe it's Andrew B. Peterson um, on Twitter. And then again, like always, you can you can check out our website at northstarsports.media. Uh, got some awesome UFC rankings. Those are always done the day of the fights, the night of the fights. Um, and, and just, you know, other assorted cool stuff. You know what I mean? It's it's a very sleek website. We, li- we like the website here at northstarsports.media. We're not, we're not convoluted like Bleacher Report or... or ESPN. We don't have media browsers that automatically play. You can listen to the podcasts at NorthStarSports.media, but they don't auto-play. You have to willingly click. We be- listen. We believe in consent when it comes to listening to podcasts. Here, we don't just, we don't just. Oh, hi. I'm some, I'm some schlub ESPN reporter. Here's my auto-play browser. You're gonna listen to my stupid report on NASCAR. No, 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 no. no. You got to click on ours to listen to it because we don't want to bombard you. Maybe you're just browsing. You know what I mean? When you go to the grocery store, the grocery store people, don't, they don't just throw shit into your cart without you wanting it because then you're going to have to put it back. You're going to have to click click out of the browser. No, 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 no. This, this is like um, like Amazon groceries. You know what I mean? You, you decide what you want. It's a buffet. We have, I mean, we're, we have over 40 episodes already on there. Many of them just timeless classics. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they're about, um, you know, current events and stuff like that. But you can go back. You can listen. Uh, you know, the, the humor transcends time. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a funny guy. So, you know what I mean? You can go back, listen to my jokes. You can listen to all my correct predictions. You can ignore all of my incorrect predictions. Um, you know what I mean? But we also have just evergreen content. You know what I mean? The Mount Rushmore of MMA. I mean, that's... Well, actually, I guess that's changed because DC's no longer on it because he lost. But, you know, the top three... The top three are still there, you know what I mean? So cool stuff like that. The mailman, how how to fix Major League Baseball, that's still out there. That we probably did that in the twenties of our episodes, uh, but it's it's still largely relevant. It's still entirely relevant. So, you know what I mean? Just just classic stuff. When you, when you think of North Star Sports, you got to think of classic stuff. So again, with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a blessed day.